Navy. Every time you need a big win, man, you pull one out. You just did it again. James Stewart goes down. I think you might be tied in the points. You're right there for the championship. Congratulations. Yeah, I mean, my Honda runs so great. I get good starts. Some people crashed. I rode around. I rode good in the beginning, but then Goose was riding so good, and he caught me in the end. With Stewart going down, you got one round to go. Can you win this championship? I think I can, yeah. I mean, I'm having a good time, and I rode my own race, kind of, so I can't wait till Salt Lake. Fantastic ride. Thanks. A Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables 2002 Dallas Supercross. We're going to focus on the 125 main event because this was a huge swing in the championship for a factory connection Honda rider named Travis Preston. And we will have TP on the show talking about that night. And as usual, he gives us some great stuff. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend, subscribe, Liet Reraceables. If you want to save with the folks at Liet, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and we will pass that on uh, a discount for you. And whether it's uh, the gear that the uh, uh, Smart Top Motor Concepts guys run or the Solitaire guys, they of course, their neck braces uh, that they made years ago have been refined and uh, uh, work really well. And of boots, helmets, goggles, all of that at Liet, mountain bike stuff as well protection is a big thing with the folks at Liat, and they can help you out. So thank you to the folks at Liat.com. Uh, they are a example of a company that makes protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces, covering riders from head to toe, from moto a mountain bike. But what Liat really stands for is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and the equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you ever thought you could go. Leit.com, and we'll give you a discount. Uh, we'll tell you more about Guts Racing, Scott Goggles, Maxis, and Decal Works later on in this show. But for now, uh, let me introduce my uh, partner on this one, uh, the one and only Jason Wagen. What's up, Weech? Yeah. What's happening? Uh, this is good to get one of the all-time personalities of the sport. Probably a little bit forgotten now how how much the fans love this guy for his podium interviews back in the day. Because we're going back. Hold on to your hats, everybody. This is 21 years ago. I'm aware. I'm aware. That's it's a, disturbing. It, it, it is disturbing. And yeah, Travis Preston now working as a as a headman at Yamaha R and D. He uh, had a long career that was um, really uh, unique and really interrupted. Uh, we'll tell you more about that later. But um, now he's basically that 2023 Yamaha YZ450F, that is the bike of the year, sits in my garage. Travis had a huge hand in developing that. So he's, he's a, a VIP in the industry behind the scenes with Yamaha these days. But you're right, Weege. It was a thing. His interviews were a thing. They really yes. were a big deal. Yeah, and it was a nice contrast, and we'll get into this with him, um, you know, because you have a complete unknown practically in Travis Preston. And then James Stewart, you know, the brightest, shining 
star you could possibly get mm -hmm. uh, as a contrast to each other. And the whole way they went about it. I mean, the reason people love Preston is that he was the most low-key, laid-back, just, uh, here's what I think. I'll just tell you what I think. <laughs> like, personality you could have. Yeah. Mixed in with this just massive star and, you know, dancing on the track and, and all this. So I think that actually helped, right? Because he, I think they liked him for himself, but then the contrast between he and Stu uh, made it even better. Yeah, it, it really did. He, such a, uh, a unique career. The year before this, he was on Factory Husqvarna. He won his first ever race uh, while he was cruising in second. Grant Langston decided to do like a one-hander over a small double and didn't recover in time and crashed uh, uh, with a few turns to go. And Travis Preston got the win, right, for Husqvarna, first one ever, and still remains the only one ever. And, and that would have been, well, you mean for old Husqvarna. Yeah, yeah, of course, yes. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, but can you imagine, I would assume that, I, I'm just making this up, but that would have been KTM's first Supercross win. It would have. Right? Yes, it would have. Absolutely. Do you think that in the offices there, it stung even more that it ended up leading to Husqvarna's first win before no, they got theirs. No, I don't remember no. that. I was on KTM at the time. Oh, that's right. You're yep. working. There. I was there. Yeah. I wasn't at. I wasn't at the race. Uh, I was East Coast guy. I was listening via Cycle News Grandstand or some, some internet way of listening. Either it was the audio or the text, whatever it was. Um, I don't remember what what it was back then. And uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, nobody. Everyone was pretty bummed back at the shop, but no one was like, "Oh man, Husqvarna got it" or whatever, right? Um, no one's even thinking of Husqvarna as no, a factor, a no. threat. <laughs> and and honestly, I still like I just told you that you know it remains their only win because I just I don't think of Husqvarna now as as anything but a KTM. You know what I mean? I just don't. I, I just uh, sorry they they had they started off as a Swedish brand, then they were bought by Kajiva, they turned into an Italian brand, and then they went away. And that's where Husqvarna ends for me. You can put the name on a KTM, but I'm just – I'm not giving them the records. You know what I mean? Like uh, Danny Laporte – No, because yeah. this is – the brand was practically dead. The idea that they would win a Supercross at this point is yeah. ridiculous, and yeah. they did. Yeah. Uh, uh, the brand by the time – it's like, well, we've already seen Ryan Dungey, Marvin Muskan, Ken Roxon, you name it, win races on that same bike with different plastic. It's not like, oh, my God, how did Husqvarna pull no, this off? No, exactly. But uh, but Travis himself, uh, a veteran rider, uh, not a lot of acclaim in amateurs, uh, high-des dude from Southern California, got, a, got his big break with Chaparral in 97. They had a big team in 97 with um, uh, Button, Lawrence, Brandes, uh, Schnell, Preston, I'm probably missing a guy Brooks? or two. Brooks yeah, still racing? Brooks was, yeah, rider, manager. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was... Deegan? A, no, Deegan was the year before. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, I want to ask you about the Chaparral team. Yeah. Is that the tallest mm. combined height yeah. of the team in motocross history? It's a great point. It's a great point. Button, Lawrence, and TP. Probably true. Yes, we need to dig <laughs> yeah, up a photo. Exactly. Um, yeah. great, great point. Well, I'm thinking that, I mean, Suzuki had had Button and... Uh, factory fill at the same time also. And I'm like, are they purposely going for the heaviest 125 riders they yeah. can find? So I was around yeah. this team a lot that year with TP because uh, uh -huh. Dean Gibson and, and Anthony Paggio were mechanics for the team. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Paggio was my friend from 96. He worked for Button in PJ1. And then he moved over to Chaparral with Button in uh, in 97. And Dean, Dean Gibson was this longtime Suzuki rider, or factory mechanic, who lost his gig and went to work for Phil. In 97, but the Chaparral, Dave Dameron and Chaparral was so cheap that the guys had to ride around in the truck. They had to sit in the lounge, highly illegal, I'm sure, and drive to the races. 
But what ended up happening was those guys jumped. Like in no the... windows and stuff. I well, no, there was a, there was a windows in those lounges on the sides. Oh, there's a lounge. Yeah. Okay, so they're just chilling back there. Yeah, and uh, and so they were had to do that, and then they uh, they didn't want to do that, so they jumped in my box van. I was working for Ty Birdwell, so I drove those guys around a lot um, while everyone else rode in the semi. So. Wow. So I was around them. I was building my bike. I was, uh, you know, beside the semi, you know, all that kind of stuff back then. So then Travis uh, gets let go, and he actually quits the sport for a little bit. And then he wins, um, I think, 10 grand from a scratch and win lotto ticket. I think it's 10. Maybe Kiefer would know. And he uh, buys bikes and gets back into racing and does okay and gets a Moto Triple X ride for 1999, number 43 or something. <laughs> And uh, I did not know about this lottery thing. Yeah, yeah, he was out of it, man. He sold his bikes or didn't have bikes and needed needed to win this lottery to uh, to to get back into bikes. And then his career took off again. And then he got a job with the you know, ride with his factory connection team. And then he won this championship. So what a and then he went on to you know be factory Honda rider and and so on and so forth. So really wow. cool career for Travis Preston. So if you want to give people advice, you win the lottery. Yeah. This is what you invested. You yeah. buy some motorcycles. And then he, he really took that $10,000 and probably turned it 10 times over. Absolutely, right? Um, yeah, really, really cool story uh, for, for TP. Um, and, and he tells us uh, a little bit about this race and everything yep. else uh, later on the sh- in, the, uh, in, the, in, in the interview. Uh, don't forget, we have the Liat Racing uh, categories as well at the end. Scott Sports has been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years. Scott is a global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Scott has always been proud to support racing from uh, Jason Anderson, Pro Circuit, Caleb Russell, Chad Ween, and Walker Fowler. Uh, they choose a quality product and support from Scott. And Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the Re-Raceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Um, our buddy John Knowles at Scott Weege, um, how, how upset you think he's been with Jason Anderson winless season? He was very happy. Yeah, the year. only thing, yeah. uh, I've learned a couple things about Knowles that's keeping him going right now. Because, yes, Knowles completely, his life turned around because he had Anderson and even Mookie riding here. Mm-hmm. No wins from Anderson. Mookie not even racing. Has to hurt bad. Uh, I mean, we saw it. The Anderson wins. Just it completely changed his life. Yeah, no, he, he's he's definitely yes. we, we, he lives uh, and dies with but, it. But he's getting through it because I've been uh, hanging out with some GNCC people here doing mm-hmm. some riding in South Carolina lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Knowles is their guy. And several people have told me how they know how to make sure Knowles has a good time at the races. And he does have his GNCC people to help take his mind off of things. Okay, yep. good, good to know. And, and it usually involves suitcases packed with things to drink at the races. <laughs> and then from there, Knowles is a happy man. So he's okay. He's okay. Good to know. Uh, yeah. Also, decal Several works. different okay. people have told me that they do this. <laughs> That's great. When they know Knowles is coming yeah, to yeah. the GNCC. Right. Uh, <laughs> decal works, the official graphic sponsor of Jason Wygant. Uh, uh, do they want to? Do they want that? No, they don't. Actually, scratch that. Uh, yes, I mean, I appreciate them sending me graphics. They probably don't appreciate how they look when I put them on the bike. Pulpamex twenty three is a code to save at decalmx.com. Whether it's the Red Bull KTM team, the Husqvarna off road team, speaking of GNCC, uh, they can make your custom design come alive uh, and use the code to save Pulpamex twenty three. The code to save with decalmx.com. Decal works. Fantastic uh, throughout the process. I just got some stuff made for my um, uh, new uh, project bike, and they nailed it. They did the individual stickers for me. They made um, they made uh, a whole tank and shroud if I want to, or they just made the stickers individually. Uh, it was great. So uh, from start to finish, super easy to deal with. Um, so 2002, we got to talk about Stu. This is Stu's rookie year. 
Um, you would know more about his amateur hype or whatever, but we all, I was working for Nick Way this year, Moto Triple X. Everyone knew he was coming in. Everyone knew he was going to be the star. And he pretty much took it to a, another level the first time he hit the track. And it was amazing. And he came from, I don't did he crash? Was he last at Anaheim 1? Or was it? Uh, Last-ish. Last-ish, right. right? To second. Yeah. TP He's wins it. last and darn close. Right. He was a little loose. And I remember, and I'll I'll talk to Preston about it a little bit too. The he was definitely angering some guys because he was scrubbing in front of them. He was cutting over on the faces of jumps to set up for the turns, and he was basically riding like he was, you know, uh, by himself out there. And a few guys weren't too happy, but he was Weege next level from the moment his tires hit the track. Well, you don't need me to verify the amateur thing. I mean, I, this was phenom. I mean, everybody knew. Everybody. True. Knew. True. Yeah. Um, and, you know, us, we try to fight the recency bias thing quite a bit. You know, everything that happens more recently is more talked about, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, I, there's two things. No one, to me, was coming out of the amateur ranks. No one ever will. No one ever did. No one ever has come out with more hyper expectations than Stu. And I believe, at least in my lifetime, I never saw someone dominate have a speed differential like Stu in the 125 class. I've never <laughs> seen a rider have that big of a gap on the rest of the field. Can you find anyone else? Uh, I mean, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't want to – I try not to be, but I am sometimes, but I try not to be the guy that walked uphill to school both ways. I don't want to be that guy. But um, it was amazing, and it was incredible, and for all the reasons you just talked about watching Stu out there. It was like he was on uh, – he was like he was fast forward. He was fast forward on a VHS, and everyone else was just regular speed. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, he's on the same motorcycle as everyone else, and you're just like, I don't, he's going through these jumps, and like, how is he jumping twice as far as everyone else on the same bike? The thing I always say about Stu, um, and this goes back, oh, I'm watching the replay here of uh, Big James walking up the ramp, which we'll get to in a moment. But I have never seen this from any other racer ever. There are certain races, especially that Bud's Creek 03 when he, um, you know, invents the scrub, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And he likes to say he'd been doing that for years. It's just when people realized or what a degree he was doing it. When he passes dudes, he scares them. Yeah. These are professional riders. These are dudes who have, uh, these are other elite riders who have ridden their whole lives. And you can literally see their reaction of like, oh my God, did I just see somebody do that? Mm-hmm. No one, no one else ever. I don't care who, like, love McGrath, love Carmichael, Hannah, RJ, anyone. I have never seen someone literally surprise other racers with how fast he's going through a section and you see it i've never seen anything like it <laughs> yeah it, it was absolutely yeah. next level it really was and he yes. I mean, he uh definitely four strokes hurt him a little bit um i think it made it easier for other guys um because yep. you know two strokes you had to nail things perfectly you had to be in the right gear be in the right rpm all that kind of stuff and Stu was able to, to to be that way for the most part. He did have, of course, some spectacular crashes. As soon as we switched to four strokes, uh, the gap narrowed a little bit. He was still amazing, and he still did amazing things. But these yep. early two-stroke days of Stu were just, yeah, phenomenal. And, look, um, I don't remember – like, everyone kind of thought James was going to win the title from what I remember, and he was going to be, you know, next level and all that. I think he still shocked somebody. And I think when you look at the field – I don't know who was the next guy that we bench raced about. It wasn't Travis Preston. I'm telling you that it was not Travis Preston. No way. No, no. And Travis back set up too. Yeah. Um, 
no one was expecting him to win this title or even even be the second best guy. Like I know what you're saying. If you're like Stu's the best guy, but if Stu messes up, yeah, who would be the next in line? Yeah. I don't think this was it. No, I don't think it was it. I mean, you look at the the pro circuit guys, uh, Sorby and uh, Matt Walker. Maybe you know Walker had won a race the year before, and and Sorby was yeah. Sorby came over the year before too, right? Or was it this year that he came over for the first time? Uh, I don't. Uh, I gotta look that up. You uh, know who I actually feel like were the guys um, at the start of the year was actually uh, Pink and the KTM team. Um, you, I, I know you said behind the scenes it was a bit of a mess even in 01, but I feel like by 02. Mm-hmm. Um, the well, first, well I was gone. I was gone by then, so maybe, yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like the beginning of the year they were sorted, but then um, this is the year that Pink's bike breaks in half, right? Yes, the he he really wasn't the same after that, right? Right, uh, exactly. Yeah. So I feel like after the first round or two, I was like, well, it's really like maybe Stu figures out how to not crash, mm-hmm. but if he doesn't, you've got guys like Ping who've been there, done it. They're they're not going to throw it away. But yeah, I feel like after that bike broke in half, um, then it was a little more wide open, and there was Preston just. Doing his thing, man. That's what Preston did. How many races would he just be cruising and it would just work out for him? Just doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I agree. Um, a lot of that, right? And and he went on yeah. to a really nice career, too. Um, were you at this race? 2002 Dallas. No, uh, that was still pretty early days for me. I was at Racer X. I wasn't at the race. So yeah. our report would basically be our guy Mike Farber, or Fubar, mm-hmm. um, calling at like midnight hyped up from the race and uh i do remember the phone call you don't believe it bubba went down like five times he's crashed so bad big james just left big james just left (laughs) and we're like what do you mean he's like he's so pissed off he just left yeah travis preston's gonna win the title and we're just like that's insanity like travis preston is gonna win the title and big james left and then you know then the race is on tv a week later and you're like yeah that's that's pretty much how it played out. Pretty much how it worked. And we'll talk about 250s a little bit, too, uh, later on. Uh, but, yeah, this race, Travis went in 10 points down to Stu, um, and he grabs the lead early from Travis Elliott. Shout out to uh, Travis Elliott, Texas' zone. Uh, he lands on the box with a third. And uh, um, Travis grabs the lead early and kind of rides uncontested for the win. Uh, Gossler, Little Goose, on the same team as Travis, uh, really puts on a nice charge. Stu has a bad start. Um, and then comes in and crashes once, and he's way back. He gets tangled up uh, with uh, – I forget now. By the way, the, the, the TV coverage is atrocious. Like if people want to start getting on the 2023 <laughs> stuff, I understand. But you absolutely hear the crowd roaring, and you don't see a replay, replay for a little while, or you don't see one at all um, in this show. And, and then the, the announcers – yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not ideal. So – Watch it back on YouTube if you if you want to see what we mean. So Stu crashes once. He's way back. He works his all the way up to fifth or sixth, and he's basically, you know, I mean, maybe even getting a third at this night, right, and salvaging the race. Uh, and then he crashes three times in one lap. First he tries to stuff Storby, goes down. Then he uh, crashes again. Then he uh, it looks like, according to the Cycle News, uh, J-Bone said his rear brake was screwed up because the last crash that did him in, uh, he just it's just like a dorky ride over a berm into tough blocks tip over yeah. crash. Okay, that makes sense because I'm like, how did he just go too high in a berm? Yeah, just tip. Yeah, they they interview a Jeremy Albrecht. Uh, I'm sure mm. you know um, a gentleman that was not um, worried about commenting to the press at all. And um, Jay yep. Bone said he thinks the rear disc got together uh, with Tedesco or somebody else. So there wasn't an issue with the bike after the crashes. And Stu crashes three times and. Again, like you touched on, I laughed out loud and re- even replayed it. They just show Big James 
It's back to the camera, walking up the tunnel. <laughs> it is gold. <laughs> I mean, the camera work is horrible in the race, but they did catch that. Yeah. They did catch Big James in disgust walking away like, I cannot – I'm not even watching the rest of this race. Yeah, just the <laughs> darkened shadows, just a lonely man walking up the ramp at Dallas Stadium. It's great. Just, just so simply disgusted. So, yes. yeah, the race itself wasn't amazing for that. I mean, Stu crashing, sure. Travis just rode by himself for the most part. But it was just a pivotal race because, he, again, TP goes in 10 points down and leaves 10 points up with one race to go. And the next race is Salt Lake City, and TP just rides in second um, behind Stu and gets the title, and he'll t- tell us more about that night too. But it was a huge swing in, in this series. Yeah, uh, and the again, the coverage is not good, but not only do we have Big James going up the tunnel, but then at one point it just keeps crumbling worse for James. Like, yeah, he tries to stuff. That was Sorby who he tried mm-hmm. to stuff? I couldn't tell. Yeah, it was, rainy footage, yeah, no, it was which Sorby. Got it, was. Right, right. Well, that's ironic because then Sorby, as even Preston will explain, you know, Sorby and James become best buds. Um, and then then eventually it falls down to it's literally James under his bike and just stuck and just can't get out. Like, it just keeps getting – and then the dad walks away. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the camera hard. cuts to him, which is – right, you don't see his initial crash. It's just like, oh, James down again, and he's just wrestling with a motorcycle and can't get out. Pipe side, by yeah, the way, and laying then, on him. And then uh, the medic comes in. A medic comes in to help him out or something, and then uh, yeah. and backs away. You know? Yeah. It was. I don't know if it's you can't have outside interference. Either way, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's part of what made Preston what he is. Hilarious on the podium, super low-key, and then taking his rags-to-riches low-key tail against Stu, mm-hmm. the contrast, and then this race is perfect. Like, Preston just rides around, does his thing, wins. And then Stu hands him, I think Stu gets, what, 16th? Yeah. And uh, Preston can tell his grandkids that he beat James Stewart for a title. Yeah, it uh, it's pretty cool and pretty remarkable. And it, like we said, his interviews were a real thing. Like everyone was like, oh, here comes, here comes. You know what I mean? And he yeah, was going to say something hilarious. He was yeah. basically just deadpan, and he was a little bit like Ron Burgundy. Or, or no, sorry, Ricky Bobby, where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like he was kind of like that. It was, it was great. Um, <laughs> well, as he tells us in the interview you're about to hear, Everybody thought they were hilarious, but they really weren't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, uh, shout out to Chase Reed, um, who we've seen his name before and you know gets mixed up with Chad Reed, right? It's the same era. And uh, he led, what, two laps? Something I, like that? Yeah, I, was, I watched this and I'm like, I do not remember this I happening. don't remember Chase Reed. He is on a 254 stroke on this dry, slick, hard Dallas. Dallas was always dry, slick, and hard. Uh, um, forever until they moved to the new yeah. stadium. This was the one with the open roof um, where God can see the Cowboys play, I believe was the mm-hmm. saying. And um, and so it was always baked in the sun. I, I can remember so many races there. Just, uh, But then there was a mutter in 97? Yeah. Uh, 95. Well, maybe they were also 97. No, 97 was a mutter too. Uh, yeah, 95 yeah, was Doug a big mutter. Right. Big, big mutter in 95. But yes, it was, 97 was also, I think. Yes, ninety-seven was also yeah. because uh, that was a big race for Jeff for Fro. So, um, some guy named yeah. Davey Coombs is the pit reporter. I don't know whatever happened to him. <laughs> we'll 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 find out. Uh, this the one twenty-fives are on uh, ESPN with Art and and David Bailey, and the two fifty race is on ABC with Weege. I don't know some guy in Bailey. Yeah, so I took a guess. He told me that I had not watched the 250 race, and it was Terry Gannon who was just a big-time ABC guy at the time. And I only knew this because working in the office with Davey, he'll just tell you what's going on with the TV show because he was part of it. And um, 
And he said, yeah, we have Terry Gannon, who just does the big events on ABC. And then Terry Gannon still pops up to this day when you watch the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. The figure skating is probably the biggest part of Winter Olympics, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I know that's not the stereotype here. That's more of the female demographic. But it is, I think, the biggest part of mm-hmm. Winter Olympics. Do they have hockey in the Olympics? I don't even know. Do they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so Terry Gannon's always the guy. So then, like this year or the last time the Winter Olympics were on, I'm like, hey, that's the guy that did Supercross back in the day. I'm going to look up his Wikipedia. So I look it up, and I'm like, Terry Gannon was part of a NCAA Final Four championship winning basketball team. And I'm like, this now for most people this doesn't sound crazy, but I know how TV works. He's just the play-by-play guy. He's not in the role of the whether it's Supercross mm-hmm. or figure skating, he's just the announcer guy. He's doing what I'm doing. He is not providing any analysis as an ex-athlete. Most of the guys in that position, including myself, I am not an profes- ex-professional athlete. Neither is Al Michaels. Neither is Joe Buck. Neither is Marv Albert. Like, that's not what that role is. And I'm like, wow, this guy just happens to have, you know, won the March Madness Final Four NCAA tournament as a starter basketball player on Duke or UNC or something like that. And then he just became a broadcaster, and you would never know in anything he ever does that he even played sports. I just think that's rare and interesting uh, that he took that path. Like, he didn't try to become a basketball analyst. He just tried to become an announcer. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Very, yep. very, uh, very odd. But, yeah, so he's yeah. he's for doing for ABC. Yeah. Uh, 250s, Jeremy McGrath leads. This is the season that uh, really McGrath – you know, started to go south. Um, he was uh, battled Ricky in 01 for a little bit. Then Ricky took off with the title and won the last, I don't know, 13. But but even with that, there was I remember anyways. Again, I was working for Nick Way, Moto Triple X. Top privateer this year, by the way, in Supercross. Uh, the second time that I had done that with a rider. But um, uh, I remember being like, anyways, and Weege, maybe you can confirm or deny, like, yeah, Jeremy's going to race him again. Like, it's 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 on again. We'll We'll see part three of this duel between these guys and Jeremy just never ever got it going there was uh, overtraining talk there was his gloves were too tight to giving him arm pump there was a lot of things and I remember Anaheim won he just went backwards and I think Nick even passed him I think he got ninth at A1 or something no it was worse than that was it okay I'll look it up dude it was in the team well, so Nick McGrath you never no he just went backwards Nick got him and I was just like, what the hell is happening here to Jeremy McGrath? Um, yeah. And that was basically it the year. He was a sometime podium guy. Ricky yep. t- Ricky, uh, Ricky crashed out of the first race. Villeman took the lead. And then Villeman got hurt before Daytona. He was 20, yeah. 25 up, 26 up before Daytona. 13th Vill- for McGrath at Anaheim. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Which, McGrath, yeah. obviously, he's known for the wins. He's the all-time winning a Supercross rider and by a long ways. But the other thing about Jeremy is, I mean, we give guys like Dunge or Chad credit for, like, always, you know, even on their worst days, they get in the podium. That was the thing, McGrath. Like, he was never getting sixth, ever, 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 under any circumstances, right? No. So when McGrath gets 13th, and, and he just you're got, just like, And he went what? backwards. He just went backwards, too. Yes. It was like, it wasn't like he got right. cracked. Yeah, it was no. bizarre. No. So he wasn't a factor this year. It was Villeman and Ricky, and uh, then Ricky took advantage of Villeman missing Daytona, and he took off with the lead, and it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. This was um, 
Ricky Orange Gear year on Fox, and we did the Pontiac Supercross early with Nathan Ramsey. That Nate dog managed to win. Ricky came all the way back. And at this race, McGrath leads early, and he ends up third, and he's stoked um, on the night. Uh, Ricky leads um, most of the way, passes Jeremy. Villeman catches Ricky, it says in Cycle News, but doesn't get him. And then Villeman said he thought it was too early to pass him because he knows that Ricky's strong for 20 laps, so he was going to wait until the end, but he never got a chance again because he never caught him after Ricky made the bobble. So a little bit of questionable race strategy by our friend DV. So, Yeah, that that rarely works. <laughs> it rarely works, right? Yeah, you just can't sort of control the race with the, when you're dealing with an all-timer, you know? Yeah, I'm just like, if you got an opportunity to take it, there probably won't be many of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, Nick Way. 18th? Chad Reed came back? Yeah, he, big first turn crash here. Ernie, Chad, uh, Nate Dog, I think. Um, it says it here. And then huh. if you watch the thing, you can see them all down. Uh, er, Ernie and Chad DNF, they go down the first turn. Damon Huffman goes down. Yogi goes down. And uh, so massive big first turn crash in this one. Um, yeah, Chad, imagine that, everybody. A rider leading the points in the 125 Supercross division. Mm. And then just on an off weekend, jumping into the tougher class. Imagine that. Imagine. It can be done, people. It can be done. Oh, no. Let's bubble wrap uh, the jet because he's going for his third title. And, you know, yeah, just give me a break. It's give me a All these guys did this back in the day. Jeremy McGrath did it. Oh, McGrath and Swink were racing every other weekend when they were dominating 125 East and West. And then whatever weekend the guy wasn't racing, he was racing the 250 and getting fifth. Like, yeah. And probably, you know, you could probably ask McGrath. I think McGrath in 92 got a couple fifths and sixths. And it was an amazing rookie year the next year, but it probably did help. I feel a rant. You know what I mean? Like, he raced five or six 250 races against those same guys the year before. It probably helped. I feel a rant coming. I'm just going to back off. Oh, okay. I'm just going to. I'm just going to okay. relax. But yeah, ridiculous. Right. But Chad was there, and yep. uh, and uh, then Nick Way. I looked the back at the results, and uh, yeah, we took a semi win. Oh, yeah, I loved it. We took. A, look, I, I said this before on this podcast. I think I'm one of the all time leaders for semi wins in among <laughs> mechanics. <laughs> so one of your best stats is the stat that. There is no one on earth keeping track of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, look, Ferry, Ferry and Nick Way won a lot of semis. It was, so they took the top four, uh, went to the main, and then they had another race called the semi, semi race. And dude, uh, yeah, I mean, we won a lot of those. So yeah, it's good times. Okay. Um, um, not good enough. Thing I want to point not out, good enough to the make week. the top I did not four. Realize this is the week. Go ahead. What are you saying? Well, just not good enough to make the top four, but we were the best of the next group of riders. Yes. 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 And no one will keep track of these stats because now we have great stat people like Clinton Fowler who are keeping track of what we currently have, heats and LCQs. But when there were semis, no one was keeping track of any of that. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. we'll never know. Right. I wanted to point out, I had forgotten that this was the week after that amazing Pontiac race that we covered here with uh, Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sad, right? Because after that Pontiac race, I'm assuming many people – such as Timmy, Ezra, all the different guys, Ernie, that had a shot at winning that Pontiac. You know, this was uh, back to this was the reality check of like, oh, yeah, crap, oh look, Villeman and 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 RC. Yeah, yeah, that was that was our chance. I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit. You know, Timmy ends up getting seventh here the week after he maybe could have won Pontiac, 
Yeah. And that was uh, Plessinger just recently, right? Like he doesn't yeah. win Detroit. Yeah. Hopefully the next weekend justice will be served. Nah, he just gets seventh. Yeah, and I, I wrote that in my column. Like I or my observations column a couple weeks yeah. ago. Like you 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 just went like, Oh well Timmy will get one. Timmy will yep. get one. And then it's just yep. he never did. So yeah. Never know. Yeah, you just you're right. You're absolutely never know. Uh, so that's the 250 race uh, from uh, from Dallas 2002. Thank you to the folks at Guts Racing, by the way. Uh, Pulp 23 is a code to save with Guts Racing. And uh, whether it's uh, the non-slip seat covers, whether it's um, a custom seat cover with ribbed on it for um, for more traction, uh, they can design it for you. They can make it for you. They got phantom lightweight seat foam as well. They got old stuff, uh, vintage stuff. I did my product, project bike as well. GutsRacing.com. Please check them out. If you need a seat, anything to do with a seat, those are your guys, and they do a great job for a lot of teams in the pits, of course, as well. So thank you to the folks at Guts and Scott Goggles and Decal Works and, of course, Liet. Liet.com for more information. The stuff that A-Rod wore this weekend was pretty pretty wild uh, for the team. And uh, mm. use uh, the contact form at pulpamex.com to email us, and then we will give you a discount code to save at Liet.com on mountain bike stuff, dirt bike stuff, whatever it is. Uh, all right. Do you want to get to uh, TP? Great interview. Yeah, as usual. Uh, we caught yep. up to Travis Preston to talk about 2002 Dallas Liet Reraceables. Here it is. All right, let's uh, welcome our guest here on the uh, Liet Reraceables podcast. Of course, we're talking about 2002 Dallas 125 Supercross, uh, as well as the 250 class, too. But lots to get into in this 125 class, including making me laugh out loud. Let's, uh, let's get the champion that year and the winner of the 125 race from Dallas on the line, Travis Preston. What's up, TP? How are you, man? Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, thanks for doing this. Um, so... Let's let's back up a little bit first of all before we get into this. You ride for Husky in 2001. You win a Supercross, of course, aided a little bit by GL uh, making a mistake while celebrating. Did you think that Factory Connection uh, Honda was going to come around to you? Was that a surprise? How, how did that come together where you're like, I'm out of Husky and and I want to ride a Honda support team? Like I I'm, I have to put myself in those shoes. I don't know if you were an obvious choice for this ride or, or were you how, how'd it go well how it kind of worked is when i was on husky that year i kind of realized hey like this is my last year if i don't put forth a real effort this year mm-hmm. this might be my my last year racing so <laughs> I, I really focused on training and and i i went to the track a lot and i was one of the few riders on that team that actually finished the whole year and i think it was cliff white who noticed that I just kept riding and training and I actually rode a 250 in, in the outdoors in 2001. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually had, you know, I was, you know, floating around the top 10, had a couple top tens and Cliff White said, Hey, if this guy can ride a Husky, he for sure can ride a Honda. <laughs> so I have to give it to Cliff. because yeah. He was the main person that kind of pushed that through. So when he came to you, was it like during the outdoors of that year? And, and, and then you were like, well, I'm kind of, I'm kind of tall for a 125, uh, you know, even though you did it the year before. Like, do you remember him coming to you and being like, we're interested? No, it, it actually wasn't even him. It was, I think, he contacted uh, Ziggy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then and then Ziggy contacted me. And you were like, yes, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, um, you know, so, some guys at Honda have been watching and, you know, they, they like the effort that you put in and they want to see what you can do on a good bike. So I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So 
coming into the season, uh, and I don't think that bike was that good, or was it? Am I, am I, am I misremembering that that aluminum frame CR125 was, was a good bike, quote-unquote? Standard, I don't think it was a good bike, but that year Honda was doing all the work to the bike, factory Honda, so I had Dan Bentley and Hoppo okay. do all the stuff on the on the bike. And I got to get those guys. We did so much testing. Actually, Michael Byrne, I think, did most of the testing. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't a great test rider back then. And they got the bike really good. Okay. So, yeah, you've ridden a lot of bikes since then. So you remember that bike being being a good one. Yeah. Yeah. 25, I consider that the best bike I rode. Like, that thing ripped by the time those guys got done with it. Really, huh? Okay. All right. Yeah, I always just thought. Yeah. Because I was was at FMF Honda in 98, and that was the first year of the aluminum frame. And they certainly was, they were much different by 02. But uh, our bikes were dogs, right? But but we had different people doing the motors. We didn't have Dan Bentley and Hoppo focusing on it. You know, I always thought that the aluminum frame made the CR125s not that great. So, but. Yeah, factory Honda. <laughs> the, the bike hand, the the bike hand. You know, it's a one twenty five, so the thing doesn't need to handle great. Yeah. It was the most important thing in that class was power. Yeah, and I think um, those guys came up with a long rod. I was running a long rod in that bike, and when they came up with with that idea, I mean that that brought a lot of power out of that. So realistically, look, you won the championship, but going like, did you think you could win the title? Like, you obviously knew about this James Stewart kid. Uh, and, and you know you you had had some good races, but you'd never really won a race um, outside of that one on the Husqvarna. And I think you you know you quit the sport for a little bit, right? You did some tri- privateer teams going into that year. I mean, realistically, TP, did you were you like, hey, I can win this championship? No, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had had no idea I okay. was going to win. Right, and. <laughs> Yeah, I just decided I'm going to go into this and just give it everything I have. And I had no idea where I was going to actually end up. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Thanks for the honesty. Hey, do you think it actually helped? Like you had no pressure or anything like that? Did that help? Oh, yeah, for sure. And it helped that, that you know, James kind of had all the attention on him. So I was just flying under the radar just doing my thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I could, I could see where that would be beneficial for sure. Uh, and you win the opener, right? James Stewart, all the all the hype, everything else, and you win the opener. Everyone forgets. Uh, you know what I mean? He Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I had a ton of luck on my side that year. I think the opener was Gosler and like Roger Thing Thane was yep. maybe winning and they both crashed in, in the whoops. So Yeah. I got lucky there. Uh Irvine, Texas, Dallas, Texas. Uh you come in ten points down, you leave ten points up. Nice work, TP. He grabbed the win. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought. You know, I, I was happy just being second in points. I'd never been that high in the yeah. series before. Yeah. So, yeah, to come out with the lead after that race, I was blown away. Weege, when you rewatch this, you can see, and Travis, you can chime in too, but it's so weird to watch. I want, there's a whoop section before the triple, and 30% of the time the guys can't make the triple because they don't hit the whoops right on 125. It's just so foreign to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just we, We've had other people on this show talk about this before, but just talk about the A lot of people talk about you have to grab a gear as you're taking off. Just talk about the challenges of just doing the obstacles and whoops on a 125 in those days. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. Back in the day on a 125, if you went to a race and you could jump both triples, you're for <laughs> sure finishing in the top 10. 
right? Like the triple yeah. was the hardest obstacle. And now the triple is the easiest obstacle. So, so yeah. things have changed a little bit, but, but that race was great because it had a big whoop section before that triple. Mm-hmm. And I'll actually never forget this because in practice, the whoops were way bigger than the race. Mm-hmm. And me and James were the only ones that could skim the whoops and then jump that triple. Oh, okay. So in practice, our, in, in practice, our lap times were around five seconds a lap faster than everybody else's. Oh, so you're like, sweet, I'm on the so podium then, tonight. I'm, I'm on the box at least. Yes. <laughs> five seconds. Five seconds. <laughs> yeah. So then, so everyone started complaining and then they cut the whoops down. But you can see from the race, still a lot of people, I think there's a couple laps where I didn't even jump yeah. in, in the yeah. main event. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just nuts. I remember 96 Orlando or maybe 97 Orlando. Um, Ricky was doing both the triples. Uh, you know, it was 97. Yeah, Ricky and I went KX125. And everyone was just blown away. Dude, he's doing that one out of the turn. That's so gnarly. <laughs> it's like, you know, like you said. Yeah, and, and, and you remember, and back in the day, you know, 125, you'd have to hit the corner in second. And then right about the time that you, because you couldn't jump the triple in second, you had to shift third. Yeah. So then you'd be shifting third up the face. And I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, dude, people would be into and off those triples all day long because they would miss the shift <laughs> right on the face of the jump. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, we've heard that. And what, dude, what if it was rutted too? Oh, that was even worse. <laughs> that was a nightmare. <laughs> uh, what are what are you weighing at this point? What are you weighing? You're, you're tall. You're six, four. Yeah. What, what are you? I, yeah, I was 180. I was the tallest, heaviest guy out there by far. <laughs> Definitely, right? Um, oh, that's funny. Uh, and if you watch this race, so you passed Travis Elliott early. Um, in the Cycle News article, you say that you did see a green bike down and you assumed it was James. <laughs> so, uh, and then you said you, and, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then you say you feel bad for him. He crashed three more, you know, he crashed four times, three times in one lap. And you said, uh, I feel bad for him. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, I mean, he had such speed that year, but man, he could not keep it on two wheels. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Did you even, though, did you start sizing that up? Like, okay, going into the season, you were not thinking you would win the title. Or you started doing that at any point. Like, even going to this, 10 points down, where you're like, oh man, James crashes, maybe I'm in this. Or, or were you just literally like, I'm just doing my deal? Yeah, that's pretty much how it was when I raced. I'm like, I'm just doing my deal. I can't worry about what James is doing. So I just went into every race, just trying to ride the best that I could ride. Uh, yeah, it was it was certainly a good year for you. Um, you also started gain. You started getting a little um, uh, known for your interviews uh, on the podium, and even this race, you can kind of see what you're doing after as they pull you off after you win. You're like. Man, my Honda was running great, and I, I wasn't riding that good. Uh, Goose was catching me, but uh, I held on to the win, and it was great. So, like, it, it's a real honest podium interview, and you, you always told everybody, including myself, that you're like, I just, you know, whether it was uh, Jamie Little or, or Aaron Bates or whoever, you're like, I'm just really honest on the podium. And, but people thought you were some sort of comedian or something back then. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't. You know, I'm really not that funny. It was just, I was just honest, and, yeah. and I think 
and, and I and I said stuff, and I you know I said some pretty mean stuff sometimes, but it seems like I just got a pass because I was honest, and I feel like some of the stuff I said back then, man, I'd be afraid to say it now. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like eventually we had the pressure where, because I feel like in the stadiums, whenever you do your interview, everybody like, oh, be quiet, be quiet. He's going to say something funny. Yep. And then I'm like, now he's under pressure. Like they expect <laughs> that he's going to be hilarious in every interview all the time. Yeah, what was funny was, you know, um, I was watching that race and I started thinking because as you're watching the race, you can hear the crowd cheering. Mm -hmm. But during the race, they're not cheering for me. They're cheering because James is cartwheeling everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 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 it reminded me that the crowd never really cheered for me they just laughed at me or laughed you know with me that's like what the crowd did yeah you know it was, it was kind of weird. <laughs> but 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 shout out to goose little goose he rode well this night he rode really well yeah 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 goose rode really well that year yeah and uh, and, and uh travis elliott too yeah honda sweet um yeah, yeah it, it was a good one it, it, it you look back on it you know tedesco is Tedesco's not yet maybe like, you know, where he's going to be, but you see flashes of that. He smacks James on the back of the helmet, by the way, with shades of yourself in Toronto on the 450 class, right? Something that else mm -hmm. that everyone wants to ask you about, right? Yeah. Um, there's these yeah. moments in your career where people would just want to talk to you about it. And, yeah, the TV, the TV coverage is not great. They're not showing many replays, and all you're hearing is the crowd going bananas, and you're just riding. <laughs> yeah, it's – it's. Um, did you – Weege, did you – we, how loud did you laugh when, when they show Big James just walking up Dude. the tunnel? I died. I was it dying. It is legendary. It is legendary. And the magic, I always wonder that the magic that they happen to have a camera on his dad and in a weird spot, like walking up the tunnel, throwing his hands up. Like, how they, like you're saying, Steve, the coverage is not that good. But they nailed that part. That just always blew my mind. I'm like, how did they know yeah. to get that? <laughs> uh, and well, we, I, I, I'm... I'm guessing he was probably flipping out down on the floor somewhere, and somebody <laughs> caught that. And they're like, whoa, whoa, let's get the camera on him because something's going on. I When we were discussing this on our group text about this race, Weege, you mentioned, oh, this is the one that Big James just walked away on. And I totally forgot about it. Like, I didn't realize that or whatever. Oh, it's great. A and when it went on the <laughs> screen, <laughs> Big James has had enough. He's left the building. <laughs> he's, he's walking back to the truck. He's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I, I was dying. I, I absolutely thought that was the best part of the night. In the darkened shadows, Big James walking up the ramp. Oh, God. Dude, that's great. Um, so, Because uh, here's the thing. Oh. Yeah, it seemed like, yeah, that Anaheim won. Uh, James is all over the place. Uh, and you won. And then, then he started winning. And I really feel like by that point of the year, I'm like, okay, he's pretty much got it figured out now. But then, dude, the bottom completely fell out. Because I feel like he had won some going into this and I thought he had straightened it out, but man, then it turned worse than ever. Yeah. I, I think actually leading up to that race, he only ended up winning maybe one race because he just kept crashing in all these main events. Oh, my bad. So he, this was not, this was not just Dallas. It was happening. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was happening every race practice. Um, I think Houston, he crashed. I think, I think he won Phoenix, but yeah, there, there was a lot of crashes for James that year. Do you remember Travis? I remember talking to a couple 125 guys. I think ping was one of them. A couple other guys. I can't remember. And they said like, this is 16 year old James. Who's just used to, you know, being the best guy in the world by far. 
they were saying he was scrubbing underneath them and over the triples and cutting them off, cutting off guys up the faces of the ramps and stuff. And like guys were pissed at him. He was riding like basically, you know, like I, I, I you know, I just I'm the best dude here, and I, I'm, I'm the only guy out here. And I talked to a few guys that were like, dude, that kid is nuts. He's gonna get, you know, just beat down. You know, do you do you remember that? Think of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally remember because he he was riding on another level. Yeah, and his speed was just something that I think a lot of people like. I, I've never seen speed like that. And when he would ride, he almost was going so fast. He was just focused on himself. He almost had no awareness no. of what was going going on around him. <laughs> no, no. I remember some guys being like, "Dude, if I can catch him, I'm t boning him. I just can't catch him." You know. Yeah, so. <laughs> the dude was fast. Uh, did you talk to him at all? Uh, were you guys, because you were second in the points, uh, any kind of relationship at this point or no? No, 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 we never spoke, no. You're like, hey, James, I quit the sport for a year, and then I won the lottery, and I got back, and I bought bikes. <laughs> James, he's, he'd be looking at you like you're from another planet. Like, what, what are you talking about? I mean, about? I mean. The guy probably never heard of me before then. No, you know? yeah, so. no chats. No, no. <laughs> James, I wrote for Husqvarna last year. Like, just like what? Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, uh, did you? So you're winning. You won Anaheim one, and um, you know you you won this title this year. Uh, Honda must be ecstatic. Cliff, uh, 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 Ziggy, all those guys. You must just be getting like they must love this. This is kind of a you know, a, a, a fresh face that, that they picked out. Um, do you remember that kind of feeling where everyone being pretty stoked? Yeah. Like I totally remember that year and that team with, with JC Waterhouse as the team manager, rookie was a mechanic on the team. You had Frank Latham was a mechanic on the team. Sean Lukowski was my mechanic and with Ziggy, it was just, a, you know, Michael Byrne, Gossler. It was just a, such a fun team to mm-hmm. ride for and just hang out with those guys. It, it was so much fun. And LaRocco, he was out of that truck too then, right? He was injured this race, but was he pitting out of your truck or was he in another one? Uh, I I think in that time, that's when he had that. He, I think he had his own truck at okay. that time, maybe. All right, all right. But, you know, I mean, we we rode with him. He was pitted next to us. So mm-hmm. There was always communication with him. So, yeah. yeah. Did you get along with Mike? Did you know him much? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I, Mike was a super uh, helpful influence, like, on lines and track and things. So, I was always, especially as the as series wound down and I actually thought, like, hey, I can win this, I actually started seeking out his <laughs> advice on things. I'm like, I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's like, I don't know, man. McGrath beat me in every title I ever race, so I don't really know. But, <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a neat race. Um, you're ten points up now. The next week, I look, James wins, you get second. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, it's the Salt Lake round. Do you remember just kind of getting into second and following him around, knowing what you needed to do? Yeah, I was so nervous. I was so messed up that whole week because, <laughs> like, like I said, going into that series, right. I had no idea I was going to win. So then I leave Dallas with a 10-point lead, and now everybody's like, shit, dude, you can win this. <laughs> You're like, so I was so <laughs> – so, hey, get this. So I was so nervous the whole week. I think – I can't remember if Gossler was, didn't race or something happened, and – Frank Latham went to Salt Lake City the last round, like just as my mental coach, just to like, 
keep me calm, right. keep me fired, you know, like, like whatever I needed, like Frank was really good at like reading me and figuring out like what I needed. So okay. Sean, Sean was working on the bike and saw the lake. And then Frank was like, just keeping me calm. The, uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to ask Frankie about this. I did not know this. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a soothsayer. He's a, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah, James won San Diego and Phoenix, and then he got he went 16, 10, 11 at the other races, and then he won Salt Lake, the finale. Yeah. So, um, up okay, and, yeah, I take it back. He was crashing a lot. <laughs> up and down. Hey, uh, TP, you have a crappy Anaheim, too. Uh, I, you get uh, – I, I forget what it is. I just looked it up. But what do you, what do you remember what happened? Uh, you go 17th. What happened? Oh, really? I got 17th? Yeah, Anaheim, too. Oh, that was the one where me and Sorby got into it. Oh, was that the one? Okay, yep. <laughs> yeah, that was the one where he took oh, me out. That. And and there might have been another crash. And that was after the race where, like, Sean and there was a kind of big old scuffle, you know, after the race. That was that race. That was the start of it, right? Did, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. Did Sorby ever explain to you why you just became his prime target for years? Did he ever explain this? So get so yes, we were at Minio's like 2010, and we both raced 30 Pro. And this is the funny part: James Stewart was his mechanic at that race. <laughs> what? Yes, what? Ja- yes, James what? Stewart was pre- prepping his gate mm-hmm. and helping him. And then we started right next to each other, and we talked the whole time. And he's like, hey, bro, dude, let's just squash what happened years ago. He said, I lost my mind. He said, it's nothing against you. He said, it's just, he says, when I race, I lose my mind. He said, now let's just race and let's just be friends. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, sweet. Yes, please. I'm like, yes. So, so we raced that and, weekend. And then, and- did he take you out 30 seconds later or no? <laughs> no, we had a great time. Yeah, it was clean racing. It was fun. Uh, Travis Preston here in the Lee at Re-Raceables, uh, 2002 Dallas. Um, again, Goose rode pretty well, and he caught you uh, a little bit towards the end, and you give him lots of credit. But I got to think, TP, the uh, the high des uh, uh, background that you had helped a lot on this dry uh, Dallas track. Yeah, the, man, I can't believe looking back at how hard packed that track right? was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, how you kind of slide in the rear end around the corners, and yeah, just completely different style back then. Yeah, the uh, the no ruts in the corners, it really is a totally different game, the way it looks, the way you guys do 180s back then. Yeah, and also back then, you know, the, the test tracks out in California were super hard. You know, th- that was the point, I think, where they didn't even have sprinkler systems yet on the test track, so we were dragging around fire hoses mm-hmm. and watering the test tracks ourselves. I was there. I've done. I've done plenty of that. Yeah, you're right. That's how we used to do it, right? Or the night before, yeah. like, hey, let's go the night before and soak it. Yeah. So you know the tracks weren't great back then. Um, how many pairs of Doc Martens did you get? You know what? They were a great sponsor. We got a ton of dog. You know, un- unlike um, when I wrote for Husky and we were sponsored by. <laughs> well, I can't. I can't remember that clothing company. DK we some... DKNY. That's right. And you guys never got nothing. one stitch of it. <laughs> nothing. But Doc Martens was the exact opposite. Okay. So it was it, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was th- they were they were a big sponsor for you. Like it was like the second one in the list of sponsors. You know? Yeah, yeah, it was a big sponsor. So I, I had plenty of shoes, but I, I I don't have one pair today. I'm not sure where they all went. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so the next year, you you're the defending champion, and the next year, I believe, like you get a bunch of podiums. You win Anaheim one again, but you're a little and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're a little unhappy with the bike in '03. No, 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 okay. Bi- no, yeah, bi- bike was just as good. Um, I don't remember if it was better, but I remember it was just as good as the year before. Okay. Um, but I think James kind of figured himself out a little bit, yeah. and he did. He didn't crash as much, and I still rode good because I think you know I, I had a lot of podiums. I think I, like you said, I won the first race. But yeah, James finally started to figure things out that year. I do remember you jumping up to 250s that next year because I was working for a Red Dog, and you were pretty good. Like, obviously, you know, you were taller. That wasn't a problem, and you rode the big bike really nice. Yeah, that's actually when I first really started testing was Honda needed help testing that that new uh, 450 mm. four-stroke. Oh, okay. So I, so I was riding a 125 on the West Coast, and then I was riding a 450 on the East Coast, so that was a big change. I mentioned this to wow. oh, I mentioned this to Weege at the beginning, but uh, Chase Reed takes off and he's leading, which I have no idea anything about Chase Reed, but he's on a two fifty four stroke, and you can see it just hooking up, like on that dirt and everything else, and then you know he eventually crashes. But shout out to Chase Reed for leading. A shout out to the first two fifty F, really working well on that type of dirt. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those things. It looked like they had some races where they worked well, and, mm-hmm. and that was one of them. But it seemed like some of the other races where maybe the tracks were a little bit tighter, it seemed like the, those bikes struggled. Right. Or you stalled it, and that was it. Yeah. Either oh, way. Oh, yeah. Your, your <laughs> night was over then. <laughs> I stalled my bike. DNF. That's it. That's... <laughs> just, push, just push it off the track. <laughs> yeah. Like, like think, <laughs> think of the world we lived in, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I stalled it, man, and I didn't You're finish. Done. Like, what? <laughs> The, those carbureted four strokes, the first generation, were not fun. Yeah, no, they they, they were not. And remember all the uh, bogging too on like on offs. Oh yeah, and whoops! When Honda first came out with theirs, which I rode in two thousand four, and yeah, uh, they didn't get that bike figured out until maybe three weeks before the first race. <laughs> that, that was reassuring, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, it, 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 so it you was have tough. Some, some some bad moments. Yeah, I actually stopped riding it for a while. Like uh, the whole month of November and the first part of December, I just started riding a two fifty two stroke. Wow! Because my four stro- my four wow. stroke kept bog- bogging in the whoops. I kept going over the bars. Jeez, jeez. So finally, it's funny because I'm got- Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Uh, the uh, Shawnee or somebody there figured out some trick with the carburetor they wired something or did something and then finally they the, the bike would it stop bogging so yeah you uh you uh wire the acceleration pump the accelerator pump to the little can yeah. and then and then you had no little sort of lag there but but that didn't fix everything you still had to do a diaphragm thing and all of this stuff trust me we learned we went through it at yamaha and we were always jealous because we talked to the honda guys and they're like no our bike's great but maybe now we're finding out they're full of shit <laughs> yeah, it was, tough. it was a tough time. We had carburetors falling off and bogs, and uh, we hired Kelly Smith one time to just try to get the bike to bog at the test track, and hopefully he didn't die. You know, like one of those deals where we're like, "Hey, we'll 
we'll pay you to come out on a Wednesday, and we hope you don't die, but we need to figure this thing out. So Yeah, it was a scary time back then because, yeah, everyone, it was all new technology, and everybody was figuring it out. Yeah. Anything else, Weech? It's weird because on the outside, I think everybody just thinks, oh, he's tall. He'll kill it on that bike. But we didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it, it it was crazy. It was so, and and you know that year it was where uh, Ivan came up really strong. Oh four, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think I think Ivan might have won the championship chip that year because I feel like his bike and his speed was just his bike was fast and he was whole shot in every race. That was on the first of the Mitch four strokes, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They must have done a ton of work. You're right because those are yeah. notoriously bad bikes stock. You're right, too. Pulled a ton of starts. Almost every one, from what I remember that year. Um, we usually ask everybody in the Elite Reraceables when we talk about this race uh, where the trophy is. and where, Do you still have the trophy? Do you have the number one plaque? Is it, are you, do you display this type of stuff, TP? or what, Where are we at with the, when it comes to this race? Oh, yeah. I still have all the trophies. Um, and I think I, the only trophy I don't have, I think my first Supercross win on the Husky mm-hmm. the year before in 2001, I gave that to my dad. Okay. All right. So that that's still hanging up in in my dad's house. We did you know the story behind that that win for TP um, about getting fined for the boots? No, the Husky win. Yes, yes. He no, uh, I do not tell the story. He, he wins the Supercross, and it's Husqvarna's first win, and it's amazing. But unfortunately, Araldo loses his mind on Travis because he's not wearing Diadora boots because I guess they weren't very good, and then Travis has to uh, gets fined. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I got fined. Okay. I. I don't think I got. I just remember there was a lot of shit going on. Like, I, I actually got in trouble, maybe. But yeah, I yeah. don't think there's not celebratory, fun. not celebratory yeah. stuff. No. Going on. Yeah. You would think they'd be more appreciative of it, but apparently not. Apparently, it was not happy. So. <laughs> um, God. God. Yeah, life is a little bit better over on the Honda side. I would think. Did you? Yeah, it was so so much better that year. Yeah, I bet. Right. Well, JT. I mean, JT's a frequent uh, caller, and he's got some great stories. Right. Like just Araldo and the ladies, Lance Lampson. Um, you know, Lampson could do no wrong. Uh, everyone else was kind of shuffled to the side, broken swing arms, running out of gas, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> the the, uh, the team was a mess, but Ferracci was just one of the nicest guys. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. And, and and also to their credit, JT, unlike a lot of other janky teams that JT was part of, uh, never uh, was late on paying. Never, you know, everything was great that way, top notch. Yeah, and and I was scared when I won that race. I was worried because I because I had a pretty good bonus for that race for a win. Cause I think they didn't think anybody was going to actually win on that bike. Right. Right. <laughs> so then when I won, I was like, Holy shit, I'm going to get some money. And, and, and you got it. <laughs> oh dude. It was, it was in my bank account, like the following Wednesday of the next week. Oh, no way. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 Those guys were on it. So did you do a Honda deal for one year and they weren't too sure about you and they re-upped you or did you do a two year thing? And then they got a title out of you in year one. So it was a one-year deal, and I'm, it was thirty thousand dollars for for that first year. Jeez, Jeez. <laughs> and I was stoked. You know, I was so happy, you know, to be on a good team and actually yeah. be and, and actually getting money. Right. So I didn't care. And then so that year I won the championship, and then I signed. After that year, I signed another two-year contract for a hundred. I would hope one hundred and fifty. Uh, you know, I don't remember. 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do, but you just don't want to. No, say. <laughs> no. I rem- I remember making good money those yeah. years. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure it was more than thirty, but yeah, yeah. Um, but even at thirty grand, you were you were stoked. You said, yeah, yeah, because just to be on, on on a good bike and a good team, and it's just it was a lot of stress off of me. You know, I knew I could go to the race. Shawnee had the bikes dialed. Yep. You know, suspension, everything was so good. So it was I could just fully focus on racing. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was cool. To, we had so much hype in the sport for James coming in, and then for you to beat him was pretty unexpected. And like I said, you were a veteran at this point, but no one had you for a title guy, like from what I remember anyways. You know what I mean? And then it was a real cool story because you had a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of people liked you, and it was everyone was really happy for you to dethrone the wonder kid who was pissing people off, you know, the way he was riding, and, and then have, see the veteran get the title. I think it was a really cool story. Yeah, it was. It was a cool story, and, and it was also cool for the team because I think it was the first championship for Ziggy too. Oh, was it? Oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah, that. Okay. yeah, it, it, yeah. It was his first because Larocco never won a championship when he was riding mm-hmm. for them. So yeah, it was the first championship they had won. So you know, I was ecstatic, but then the whole team was also pumped. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't even think about that. The first ever Factory Connection title. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's awesome. Anything? I'm done here. Weej, anything else for TP? I just want to know the relationship with your mechanic, uh, Sean Ulikowski. You guys go back before this, right? Yeah, Sean worked for me in 1999 on Moto Triple X. And, so, and then you, uh, you got him to come over with you, or is that just luck? Uh, no, I think, um, you know, and then after Moto Triple X, you know, he kind of did his deal, but, you know, we still remain friends. And then a couple years later, I get this um, factory connection deal. And Shawnee uh, wanted to do something different, so I called him and said, "Hey, come over here and let's do it." And he was all in. Wow! So they just had an opening, and they, even though you were near to the team, they let you pick. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it just worked out great. You know, Sha- Shawnee was wanting to leave where he was, and I didn't have a mechanic, or they didn't have a mechanic for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, it worked out perfect. And then, and then I think I don't know if I helped with frankie getting frankie over there too i'm i'm not sure but yeah what would frankie come from because i know i met him when he's at Ch- tyler evans but i don't know where he went after that husky no yeah yeah, yeah. yeah uh frankie frankie worked with me at husky right and then and then i i swear and then he somehow ended up at factory connection working for gossler hmm. wow and did you have a did you have anything to do with gothic early on uh gothic no J. okay I, all right i mean yeah i think i think we were just desert riding buddies okay back then. okay all right <laughs> the first the first time the first time i met the first time i met frankie uh he was working with tyler evans and tyler stabbed him in the neck with a toothpick and he had to go that- to the to the er or something because it, it was stuck in there and, <laughs> sounds about right and then the first time i met gothic he was working for mike metzger it was 160 degrees at Troy, Ohio, and he was dressed in all black, long sleeve pants and everything, oh, working for Mike Metzger. And I'm just like, these two guys. And then they end up two of your better friends, TP. <laughs> hey, so uh, I got a good, a good Gotham J story for you. Um, so around that time, you know, I think Gotham J was working at Yamaha, 2002, 2003-ish. Uh, he started in 03, late 02. Okay, yeah. so, okay so, so it was probably 03 then. So I think we just meet at the track or whatever. And he's like, Hey, uh, 
I hear you trail ride in the high desert. I trail ride. Can I go? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, buddies. You, you, <laughs> I'm like, you say you know how people say they can ride, you know? But yeah. You're like, so I'm like, okay, great. I'm gonna have this new guy come up and ride with my friends, and so he comes up and rides, and he's like, yeah, dude, I'm I'm a good rider. I ride all the time. So literally his wheels get onto the first dirt, the first dirt patch we get on and there's a hill <laughs> mm-hmm. he races up this hill hits a juniper bush at the top and endos his brains out in the first 10 feet great <laughs> <laughs> like, this is gonna be <laughs> yeah. you're like awesome you're a factory honda rider at this point <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah. yeah and he and, he, and there's this yamaha guy endoing up a hill yeah right. clapped out yamaha yeah cartwheeled his brains out going up a hill and Picked up his bike and sure as shit, the dude could actually ride. No, so. he can. He's an NESC ripper oh, okay. from back in the day. <laughs> yeah, he's actually a good rider. No, he is. Uh, did he ever tell you about the time when he took – Chad said his throttle wasn't working right and he took Chad's bike behind the Yamaha track and it throttle stuck wide open and he absolutely uh, cr- scraped all the skin off his body? <laughs> Did yes, he, I did hear that one. Yeah, yes. It's great. It's great. We he gets on the bike. We're like, Chad's like, I don't know, man. The throttle's up and Gothic didn't believe him, I don't think. You know, like just being like, ah, Chad, you baby. <laughs> so we're like, dude, I don't know, man. Let's just take it to the shop. Like, it's fine. Like we're we're done anyways or whatever. And Gothic's like, nope, nope. And he starts it up, and all of a sudden he goes behind the vans, and we just hear this and it's dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> Dead silence, and we're like, "Oh shit!" Like that that poor guy has oh, had some big crashes. He has, and then he comes rolling in. Maybe two minutes later, all the shirts ripped, pants are ripped, bl- <laughs> blood everywhere. He's like, "Yep, the throttle's sticking." <laughs> we're like, "Dave die!" I, I swear to God, Dave die didn't let that joke die for six months. Yeah, it was absolutely every single day, gothic. <laughs> he's classic yeah it's great uh well man what a night uh what a year championship and uh of course it went on to sort of propel you like kind of to a second act tp you know like you like we said you quit the sport and things weren't looking that great you, you got triple x you gained some momentum you got a husky ride like you said you were done if it didn't work out and then you win the most like unlikely championship and you're off and then your podium 450 supercrosses and you know, you go on to a nice second half of your career. Really, really cool. It all sort of kick-started on this year. Exactly. Yeah, that year kind of started everything. So, yeah, I was super grateful for that. Awesome, man. Uh, thanks for the time in the Lee at Reraceables 2002 Dallas. Uh, Weech, and uh, uh, anything else for TP? No, I'm good. Hilarious stories, as we expected, even though you don't want to be expected to be hilarious, but you came through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, Weeds, you know, you said that you talked to Sean today, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So I'm a close yeah. yep. Would he say anything about how, like, he, so from that race, he feels like from that season, he helped so much that and now I have to pay him 10% for the rest of his life. Did, <laughs> did he mention that? <laughs> oh, of, of all the money you've ever made? Yeah, yeah. So he wants the money I make now at Yamaha. He wants oh. 10%. Yeah. No, no, he didn't. He didn't volunteer that information. I'll have to check. Yeah, so just, um, yeah, just like Steve, Steve was saying that year propelled me, Sean still believes that and wants money to this day. <laughs> oh, I see. So Yamaha's not hiring you for you. They're hiring you because you won this title. Exactly. He's, partially respo- he's 10% responsible. 
Cute little Sean. Yeah. Dude, I never thought about that. Oh, Steve, you need to work that deal with Timmy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, look, Timmy's the same guy that won 25K at Summercross and was like, ah, I don't know if I can get you any money, bud. I don't know. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like 25 grand? You can't break off a thousand bucks for me? So, yeah, it's it's just hashtag riders, Weege. That's what it is. It's just riders. So um, Okay, yeah, yeah, you should be giving him ten percent of your current salary. Yeah, what the heck, man. And, and also, <laughs> TP, before we let you go, uh uh Mr. Chris Kiefer was in the Pulp MX show less than twenty four hours ago and called you old and decrepit. Do you have a response? Uh now if he's talking about how I look on a motorcycle, yes. I would agree. Oh, okay. Yeah, I okay. Feel, yeah, especially <laughs> after riding with the star guys today, I feel old and decrepit. So okay. he is one hundred percent right. Okay, fair enough. That's what he, yeah, it was your style on a bike. We were talking about older guy we were talking about taller guys on a bike and Benny Bloss and everything, and then he said you look old and decrepit. So Yeah, it's it, it's not looking good these days, guys. It's it's not good. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Wow, I, th- I thought we'd see something back, but okay, all right. Well, uh, half the battle is just admitting it, yeah, for sure. So, all right, uh, thanks, TP. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right, thanks, guys. See you. Good stuff from TP. Uh, always funny, uh, and he's back east right now, grinding away uh, with the uh, Star guys, I'm trying to make. Is their- this uh, he's doing uh, production bike testing? Is that what he's doing back there? You know what? I'm not sure. I don't even know. I didn't ask. I didn't know if it was... I assume it's production bike stuff. I don't think they would use it much for star stuff. Right. But that's funny how they... uh, Well, we don't even know. But I'm like, oh, they even will use star... You know what, though? I mean, this is actually a cool thing. Maybe they're like, let's compare. Let's. This is what we're looking for. This is what we've discovered. Well, what, what are you discovering on your side? Like, this is the thing we have heard, and I'm sure you have, countless times of race team and production team basically making fun of each other because oh, they're yeah. not even attempting to be on the same page. So maybe mm-hmm. this is just fixing that problem. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. All right. Time for the Liat Racing Reraceables categories. You want to do it? Or anything else about 2002 Dallas? You got anything else? I'm in. Okay. We're all right. good. All right. Let's, yeah. uh, let's get to this. This race is on YouTube, by the way, if you do want to watch it back. Uh, Liat.com. And, oh, by the way, thanks, folks, at Max's Tires. Uh, mountain bike tires are fantastic. Have you ridden your uh, your primer much uh, yet, Weege? Your, your, your... I have, but I keep telling you it doesn't have Maxxis on it. No, I, I, I know that, but I was going to say, do you oh. need Maxxis replacement tires if you've been riding it or no? We're well, you're saying they are such a step above that maybe I do. There's no maybe. way you're taking off your production primer tires and putting on Maxxis. You're just well, not doing I wouldn't that. be doing it myself. No, I would be bringing it to the mountain bike shop that will inevitably have my uh, tubeless tires become flat tires within 48 <laughs> hours, which happens every time. Be- <laughs> Live an extreme, their service department, not on par? Uh, they haven't done – they did put this bike together for me, and that was actually solid, so shout out to Beam. I have not used them for tires yet, but I've used all my other shops, and uh, every time there ends up being a pile of slime on the floor. <laughs> And a flat tire. So let's see if Livid Extreme can do better. Okay. I will say I watched some video on uh, Instagram um, of some, like, mountain bike stereotypes. And I did not know that Maxxis is held in such high regard. This is a compliment to the brand. That uh, the joke was, like, there was a video, Steve, making fun of how, like, road cycling guys are, like, OCD. And their kit's got to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everything's got to be super dialed. And they're like, yeah, but look at what mountain bike guys are like. And there was like the stereotype is you got to have Maxis on the sidewall and you got to have your sidewall logo match with the valve stem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And I'm like, wow, I did not realize in that world, like if you're going to stereotype the brand of tires that you must have. 
it is Max's. Yeah, I put up some uh, an Instagram photo of some Spinergy wheels that they gave me to try, and uh, I'd mounted new tires on them, obviously, and I got a few comments about not matching the valve stem, and I just wanted to punch all those people. Yeah. Through my Instagram. Yeah. I want to punch them in the face. Through, punch them through, through, through your through Instagram, my phone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's mountain um, biking, man. Just run it. Just yeah, run it. Max's tires. Uh, A-Ray, also using Max's tires, uh, trying to get back for the uh, Yamaha LCQ race desperately. So lots Really? Of, oh, yeah, he wants to. Yeah. Does he have enough points? He's in, yeah. He's got enough points. He's in. He's, okay. So uh, we'll see if he makes it. But thanks to the folks at Maxis and Decal Works, Guts, Scott Goggles, and the folks at Liat. Liat Racing, re-raceable categories. Uh, who really won the race? Uh, I guess we can go either one. Uh, we can go 125s or, or 250s. Uh, what do you think, Weech? I mean, look, this changed Travis Preston's life. How do I not pick the winner of the race as the winner of the race? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I, yeah. I cannot. A we, 20, we try to avoid this yeah. every show. Yep. Yeah. A 20 point swing with one race to go. Yeah, and then he becomes champion at the end of the year because mm-hmm. of this race. Yeah. If he doesn't win or Stu doesn't crash at this race, he is not walking around saying he's a super cost champ. So that's a winner in my book. 30K. Factory Connection Honda. That's what he got. That was his salary. We never asked what the bonus no, for the title but- or race wins were. I'm sure it was pathetic also. 30k. I mean that. I mean we always laugh about the Suzuki 125 rider, that was 25k forever. Whether it was Denny Stevenson or Tim Ferry or Nathan Ramsey, name a Suzuki 125 rider that came through the program. It was 25k. Uh, but geez, I didn't realize in 02 it was still 30k. It was that low. But um, hey, look, you want to you want to rant about you know guys not racing 250 class or 450 class on the opposite coast do you want me to rant about back in the two-stroke days when the sport was so healthy and the riders were making tons of money unlike now when they're getting screwed <laughs> do you want me to rant about that no no you've made your point yep okay when they're making 10 times right now in their salary i got another i got another rant this is not even part of this show but i got another rant okay. we you and i we have to do a better job of educating the fans of two things a Podium and race win bonuses are a huge part of the income a rider can make. And B, if they do well one year, there are accelerators that will increase their salary the next year. I'm Because so many riders are free agents right now, Steve, I'm hearing so much talk about, well, it's contract year. He's trying to do well. It's a contract year. I'm like, you don't understand. It's not like stick and ball sports where you just sign a guy to a 10-year, $400 million contract and he could suck for the next 10 years and he's going to make the exact same amount of money. There are incentives in all contracts to where riders can earn more or less depending on how they do. It's, I just realized this. We don't educate the fans on this. Riders can make more money by riding well. It's not like stick and ball sports where you're just getting what you get. Yes, you're, you're, you're right yeah. about that. Um, right. I feel like There's a half it, a million yeah. dollar swing in a potential year based on mm-hmm. getting podiums and wins. Yes. Right? Yep. For or – for. Or, or insurance. a good rider who yeah. can podium and win. Or insurance policies, yeah. you know. Like, uh, I heard Derek Kelly's got a good one, and he's making a lot of money. So, um, oh, there, I didn't there, even know about that level. That kind of stuff, yeah. too. Um, yep. Oh, by the way, I'm I got saying, like, Barsha yeah. came on your show, and he's like, I told the team to give me a multi-year deal. I'm not going to slack. I'm only really making money if I'm on the podium every weekend anyway. So, I think fans would think, oh, you signed Barsha to a two-year deal. Next year, he's not going to try hard because he's going to get his money anyway. But that's not true because Barsh is like, if I get 10 podiums, that's going to make me uh, $300,000. Yes. But to be fair, there are more than a few examples of riders riding better on a contract year. There are examples of that, a lot of them. Yeah, you know, it does happen. Yeah. But I have examples of, I think yeah. some guys ride worse. Um, 
Jason Anderson rides better when he has a contract in hand than when he's in a contract year, I feel. Now, it could be coincidence. You don't yeah. have a, yeah, you don't this really is only know. two or three times. But maybe some guys, it's actually stress and pressure. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the accelerators thing, which is even a concept I hadn't known about until recently. You know, your, your deal is like, okay, here's what we're going to pay you. But if you win a race and mm-hmm. you become a quote-unquote race winner guy, yeah. now your salary goes up. Well, um, you know, like yeah. Chase Sexton, we think is going to KTM. He for sure mm-hmm. has in the contract. Here's your base salary, and here's your base salary if you win a if you win a Supercross title, and here's your base right. salary if you win an outdoor title, and here's your base salary if you win both. Right. Yeah. Right. Because it makes you a higher profile. Absolutely. Guy, yeah. More marketable for the team. And the reason I'm just saying all this is that there are many, many things to incentivize and motivate a rider every race. I don't want fans to think that as soon as they sign the big deal that it's time to slack off because you do see that in regular sports all the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the Bobby the Bobby Benilla and all those guys. Yeah, for sure. Oh, baseball is the worst. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, funny little uh, antidote about Dallas that just came to mind when you were ranting. Uh, so I was working for Nick Way, Moto Triple X, uh, YZ250, Privateers, in a box fan. I was driving to all the races, blah, 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 all of that stuff. Dallas was the race. So Steve Butler was the team manager for Yamaha. He was one and done. Uh, after this year, he went to the R&D department, where he still is today. And before this year, he was a crew chief, and then he was MA's longtime mechanic, Dubox longtime mechanic, Australian guy. Really, really cool. Steve Butler, one of the best guys in the industry. Love him. Anyways. This year, he was team manager before Jimmy Perry came in in 03, and I went there in 03. At Dallas, uh, without me asking or anything, he walked over with a frame and a swing arm and said, production, and said, here you go. Here's some stuff to help you out. Good job this year. What? Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Frame and swing arm. Awesome. Thank you. You did not even ask for this. No. No, didn't ask for this or anything. I guess, you know, they just were noticing that Nick Way was – doing pretty well and maybe maybe Nick could talk to him I don't remember I don't know if I ever talked to Nick about that or whatever but I didn't know a frame and a swing arm were coming our way and this isn't a performance upgrade that's what you had yeah it was just production yeah just replacement just yeah replacement stuff right yeah nice yeah so I remember I remember being like fucking Steve Butler knows who I am and he's giving me stuff like like that's cool you know so did he actually say your name no I don't remember that nope don't remember that (laughs) Uh, but you know what I mean? It was just cool that they hey, reckon- Nick's mechanic. Yeah. They recognized that he was doing a good job and maybe we needed some stuff, you know? So that is cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, back to the Liat racing re raceable categories. Uh, who's that guy award? Well, I went both main events. I know everybody. So I had to go through a little deeper in the results for myself. There is a Daniel Blair in the race ride in two fifty class. He has, really? a, he has a rough night though. Uh, 15th in the LCQ. So not a great night for for him. But for me, the guy, and, and wait for Rarick's text here, but uh, 10th place, 250 LCQ, Shea Manny. I never heard the name before, and I don't know anything about Shea Manny. 10th uh, in the 250 LCQ. That's the furthest, the first guy that I don't know anything about in this race. Uh, I am now accessing the cycle news. I was like, where can I find results? I had not thought of the cycle news as a resource. I'm looking at now. Can I skip this category and then go back? Absolutely. Because I'm going to do the same thing you just did. Because you know. Which is literally. Well, you know everybody in both mains, right? So. Well, right. Yeah. So I'm like, how am I going to find the rest? Yep. Um, yep. The cycle news, or sorry, the AMA archives only go back to the 2003? Yes. Um, 
but, okay. uh, all right. right, let me look at this now. Uh, I got it right in front of me now. We can do this. Oh, okay. we, I got second. Who's that guy award? Jason Wygant. Who, who, what was the name of your guy? Uh, Shay Manny, 10th in the 250 LCQ. Yeah, I definitely never heard of him. Uh, by the way, I read the recap. I, I, I made her. I made a mention earlier that we won the semi, and uh, which is cool. But I just read the little cycle news recap, and it said that Tortelli had a huge lead in our semi and crashed on the last lap or two laps to go, uh, and then Nick Way took the win. So it doesn't appear that we quite dominated the semi. I mean, it's on paper. You did not remember it. You did not remember it that way. I did not. <laughs> I just remember the domination. Uh, but Tortelli, no Tortelli had to go to the LCQ. But uh, so thanks, Seb, um, for that. Um, Adding to my record of semi wins. Uh, I'm looking through the 125 LCQ. Um, is there anyone in here? Colt Humphrey. He finishes right behind this young Daniel Blair. Uh, oh, Be- Blair was double classing it. Okay. Yeah, he's in the 125s also. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, and 12th is Michael Koch. 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 <laughs> is that so- is that safer? Coke. K O C H. Coke. Is it K O C H? How do you spell it? K O C H. Yeah, Koch, I think. Koch. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, I'll go with uh, 12th place, Michael Koch. 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 I'm not going to say the other versions again. <laughs> um, so now it's on you, Seth Rarick. Text us and tell you how you know all about the legend. He's a legend. Yeah, exactly right. He's a legend. He he hauled ass. Like that's yeah. Everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, okay, uh, good to know. Uh, lit kit for this year. So, um, I liked James's stuff. This was the pink and uh, uh, black and white, and sometimes there was zebra stuff on it in uh, a Bradshaw uh, tribute. But uh, Stu's stuff looked pretty good. Full chess pro for Stu too. Full chess pro. He needed it. Um, <laughs> so I'll go. I'll go. Stu. I liked it. Green bike, pink stuff. Uh, he brought it back, brought back some retro stuff. Yeah, I feel like this is super iconic gear, and this is our this might be our only chance to ever get it in this show as lit kit. So we try not to agree on this, but everybody remembers Stu and Pink. This was our chance. Yeah. So I'm You're, going with it. Okay. Yep. Uh, shit kit award, uh, Villaman's Oxbow stuff. Oh. Never good this year. Ne- I'm, I'm guessing he just got a lot of money from Oxbow, French company. Um, yeah, never good. Not at all. I, I remember this Villaman gear. It had the worst fit around the knees of any gear I've ever seen at the highest level. <laughs> like, you know, they, they eventually accommodated. They knew everyone would start wearing knee braces. I think it was actually AXO that was pretty forward thinking on Kevlar and stretch and all this stuff. It was like the memo had not gotten out even eight years later of like, here's how you make it work around the knees to not look terrible. So, yeah, I agree. That's um, not not good let me ask you amateur motocross expert uh mm. i see ben riddle's name in the results here and oh. i i know when i was working at ktm i was living with the thor rep back then and he was telling me and i don't know if it was 00 2000 or 2001 this is 02 what we're talking today he was telling me that ben riddle's gonna be the next big guy watch out you know blah 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 this is the same guy who dated um macho man's chick not elizabeth but macho man's other chick ex chick for a while and macho man was threatening him at the gym Wait, yeah. Riddle did or this guy no, talking to you? No, this guy, this is the Thor rep, Jeff Bone, this guy's name is. You? He, Wait. I've told you this. What? I've told you this. He? No, I don't see how I would have forgotten this. The he, Thor rep was dating Macho Man Randy Savage's ex-girlfriend yeah. and getting threatened? Yes, Macho, Macho Man, Man Macho Man was not happy. 
and he's just like, it's his ex. It wasn't Elizabeth, obviously. They were a long time broken up. Uh, and, and he was not happy, and he was threatening him at the gym, and I think he was leaving notes on his car. And the guy was oh, like, they, they physically were interacting. Like they were in the same yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the guy, the guy was like, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. Like just, we cannot be together. I'm not going to have this guy, you know, crazy, <laughs> this crazy man. He had to break up with her. Randy, Randy Savage, Randy Poffo. <laughs> yeah. It's blowing me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bone worked at Thor forever. I, I lived with him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you have any interaction with Macho Man? No, no, nothing at all. Oh. I, I think this was in Florida. I think he's from Florida. I think this was back in the Florida days. Yeah, Ultraman so, Man was a Florida guy. Right. So wow. uh, anyway, so Jeff Bone told me all about Ben Riddle, and he's going to take over because Thor. He was a Thor guy and all this, right? And I see his his name in there in the in the uh, in the results. He's 16th in the 250 main event. Was this would this have been would this have been Riddle's first full year as a pro, or did he debut after Loretta's an OO? Uh, I believe he was directly one year after Pastrana. Pastrana raced his rookie year was 2000. Yeah. So. Okay. I think this would be year two. Okay, I was just—I was just because there was a lot of hype for Ben Riddle, and he, he obviously never uh, achieved the heights that people thought about him. And I was looking at his name, being like, "What people was this good or bad? Like, what was 16th in the 250 main event?" But, no, yeah. none of it. I don't believe as a pro is ever good. I don't remember him ever having, right, right. you know, even one single race that really stood out. But I was never sure, and I don't want to get you started on another rant in a show filled with rants. But I don't know some of these guys. I was like. Obviously, Riddle ended up – he should have done better than he did. He mm-hmm. had a lot of problems off the track. But to me, I was never quite sure where they – like, well, they brought in Pastrana the year before, and this is their next guy. Like, I do not believe that that was ever a realistic – So I got caught up in the right. Jeff Bone hype? I, I think you did. Yeah, um, okay. Now, obviously, Suzuki gave him a deal, so yeah. they, they yeah. thought something of him. But I don't know. So it, there's quite a few of those where I'm like, well, where did this yeah, this yeah. level of hype? I'm right. not saying Ben Riddle sucked, but no, you can't just say they had Pastrana the year before. Okay, so in my okay, eyes, I'm looking at uh, Loretta's, and he did sweep the B class in '99 and the A class in 2000, so that's no joke. Well, okay, so maybe maybe I'm right then. Maybe I was because I remember it being super hyped. I mean, again, I was around the Thor guys because I lived in yep. El Cajon and they were in El Cajon, yep. and I ate lunch yep. with them, and I lived with the rep, and uh, you know, and yeah. I just remember so much Ben Riddle hype, but maybe there wasn't. I don't know. I, I got it. I got it figured out. This is where it comes from. You can go to Loretta's vault, and you can see Ben Riddle winning four straight titles, B and A, the two prestige classes, right. two years in a row. But you have to look who else is in there. Mm-hmm. And, like, okay, he did beat Josh Woods. Woodrow's a good rider. That was legit. But the other second place in 250B in 99 is Jesse Ketchum, and Clint Shealy is third. Yeah, no hype for those guys ever. I, I don't know. Right. I honestly feel like this is the early days of me going to that race. Chase Reed was actually second to him in one of the championships. Hmm. Uh, I almost feel like the Stu, Travis, they created almost like this vortex. I don't even know why this would work this way. But it was like, because after Riddle, you had um, Evan Lawfridge winning the Horizon Award year after Stu. I almost feel like it created this vortex of just like everything is just – yeah, when a tornado like, comes, like, right, nothing like, left. After Pastrana and Stewart are gone, like it's just scorched earth landscape. Oh, I was going to go the other way that that because Travis and Stu were so good, then of course the next winner is as good. Well, hyped wise, but I just mean like the results of like how do you have an A class that has Ben Riddle who had a factory ride but it didn't really work out, and then no one else in there even had 
yeah. ever factory um, rides or is it even heard of? I don't know, man. That's your job. Yeah. 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 So I almost feel like after Pastrana and Stu, it was like there's nothing left for anyone to see, hear, do. It's just, again, not to just, just there will never be guys like that. There mm-hmm. will never be guys like Stu or Pastrana coming into the pro ranks. Like, never. I don't, like, I have huge respect for Jet Lawrence and what they built, but dude, Travis Pastrana was winning the X Games on ABC while racing Loretta's, while turning pro, while winning races. Winning X Games when X Games were huge during his march to the 125 national title as a 16 year old in his rookie year. I got there's ta- just never ever going to be stuff like that. It's just the sport isn't the same. It's not even fair to compare. I got tagged in something on Instagram. Somebody made a YouTube video. Is Hayden Deegan the best Supercross rookie ever? I wanted <laughs> to again punch my phone. Yeah, punch the person through the. Phone. I know. Yeah, you just can't even, dude. Stu's birthday is like December. He turned 16. Like a week before Anaheim won and almost wins it from last. Yeah. You just can't compare. And a lot of, like you said, even the bikes are different. So maybe that's not even a fair comparison. Maybe if they were on 250Fs back then, it would have been harder for a 16-year-old to be that good immediately. They're, well, they're bigger, heavier, faster bikes. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> or we'll go further back. Like Bradshaw almost won a premier class Supercross at age 16. Like these are not comparable. Nothing will, ba- will beat that. Ever. Full of rants today. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's going on. I don't okay. know what's going on. All right. Let's, yeah. let's get back on track here. Uh, yes. Lee at Reraceables. Uh, where's JT? Well, uh, we covered this before. He was riding really well this year as a privateer, SoCal Gear. Shout out to Decal uh, Works. And he had broke his wrist at Houston, I believe. Uh, Ryan Clark oh. jumped on him. And so he was oh. injured for this race. But uh, he, mm. up until then, he was riding really well. So. Privateer JT, I think it was number 56, or maybe he was 32. I don't know. Because this is post-Husky? This is right? post-Husky, yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. Him and yep. Travis were getting off that Husky experience. <laughs> <laughs> was that team still around? Yeah. Yeah, they were around. They had, uh, I think they had Skaggs still. I oh, okay. think they had Lampson still. Oh, okay. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. But they, they were around still in, in OT. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Marsak award for the rider who, uh, did the, the best without knowing. And we're going to get Jacob Marsak on this show, right? Yeah. Yeah. His dad gave me his number, uh, okay. Detroit cause they're Michigan people. Yeah. I, yeah I was going to get to that. Yeah. We're going to have Jacob Marsak an award and we'll give Jacob yeah. Marsak the Jacob Marsak award. Um, yeah. I'll go Travis Elliott third. I obviously oh, he, yeah. his, his career was cut short with an injury. Uh, this was riding for Plano Honda. And so he's a hometown guy. And he got third. He led a little bit before TP got him. And I don't remember Travis Elliott ever getting on a podium at a Supercross. So good job, Travis Elliott. Yeah, I looked it up. I didn't know this was the only podium. I don't remember that he had one. I remember him being, you know, had yeah. potential yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know he sealed the deal once. But did he get? Uh, was it uh, a bad concussion? Is that yeah. what got him? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, a bunch of uh, uh, really, but I think a really good crash did him in, like multiple injuries. Yeah, uh, like. He's injured. He'll be back, and then just literally never came back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice kid. Uh, yeah. Really I didn't know nice he had guy. A podium either. So that's yep. for sure. My Jacob Marsac. Really nice kid too, Travis Elliott. I don't know if you ever spoke yep. to him, but uh, yeah, very nice. Uh, all right. Was well, this a Watson team or was that the yeah, other Honda no, team? No, this is Watson. Plano Honda. Oh right. Yeah. They had a they had a nice. Gothic J working there. Um, uh, <laughs> all right. Casey Johnson. Remember Casey came back from something. There was some hype for Casey Johnson. He was one hundred and five or something. He was a three digit guy. Because maybe he had either raced arena cross or didn't race or something, and 
Kenny took a chance on him, and I was a Casey Johnson fan. And uh, oh, he had talent. Probably the fastest rider in the top five of fastest riders to never win a 125 Supercross title, Casey Johnson. Yeah, and indoors and out. I don't know if he ever won a national, but dude, no, he, he was never, fast. No, he never won a national. But he would. He'd yeah. have good days. Oh sure. yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. Well, thanks to TP uh, for for joining us. Uh, good stuff. Congrats to uh, Travis Preston for that O2 uh, championship. That uh, again was uh, highly unexpected, and uh, yeah. he took. And also, too, by the way, I meant to bring this up earlier. Funny how he Stu's rookie year. It's all about Stu. Crashes himself out. Travis wins the title. And then the thing that Travis says that people talk to him about more than anything else is grabbing Stu's helmet in Toronto at the World Supercross round. After wow. Yeah. And Travis says all the time. That comes up all the time. Like, what, what were you – and, he, you know, he always – of course he was yelling at him, but he always just says, I was just checking on him. I was just checking to make sure he was okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a different – that race needs to be erasable as well. Yeah, someday. yeah, that was so the that. that was I, Ivan too flipping James off right while with a broken. Oh, is that hand? when he kind of got like not landed, landed on, but he landed on his hand on a dragon back? Race? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Ivan yeah. was on I mean, the side of the track, head, but... flipping him off. Yeah, yeah, right. And then um, <laughs> yeah, it's Stu and Chad battling, and then Stu goes off the track, and he had, they just lapped Preston, and then Stu came back on the track, not looking. Yeah, that's yep. what, in case you're wondering what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. All but right. those are. <laughs> That's worth a revisit because what made that worse back then was we had this battle of the entourages, and you've heard Ricky James and Chad all talk about it, Or I feel like when one of the three of them did something bad, that it had extra momentum behind it because of each of their groups being so looking to kick each other when they were down. And you also had the media playing a part in this role too. Like, well, yeah, like, they got yeah. the media. Of, yep. The media had favorites. Yep. I never understood – I never understood that, where it was always like, are you Ricky's guy or James' guy? And it was yeah. just like, wait, are, we're not supposed to have guys. <laughs> yeah, can what we, can what, we that's just... That's so dumb. Right, can we just yeah. watch the races and comment on them? Yeah. Yeah, like that's exactly the opposite. That's literally what people... I don't know, it's probably number one on people's hate list for some people right now, the idea that media has narratives that they're trying to push. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just call it as you see it. Right. So dumb. It, it, was, it was gnarly back then. Message boards were coming in and all of that, so... Uh, yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, thanks, Weech. Thanks to Liat. Thanks to all the sponsors. 2002, Dallas. Thanks, buddy. Yep. See ya. See ya.